What's up, everybody? It's Anthony Cazenza with the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast and CincyJungle.com. Guess what? Listener questions live on Friday. Kickoff week five. The Bengals have a huge game against the Green Bay Packers at home. And we have a special guest to help us answer your questions. You got to get those to us and we'll provide our best insight that we can. Again, I'm Anthony. Joined by my usual co-host, John Sheeran. Before we bring in our special guest, John, you had a couple of words you wanted to share with the audience as we kick things off. Yeah, I'm doing good, Anthony. I hope our guest is doing as good as well. But I just had some, just something to say. Okay. I think I can speak for all three of us when I say we're objective when it comes to this team. We understand nuance. And that allows us to critique this organization in a fair way. But we can also see when they're being unfairly disparaged, specifically from a national perspective. Anthony, you retweeted a video of Peter King explaining that it's inherently tough for Bengals players to get voted into the Hall of Fame and basically admitted to bias being involved in that process against Bengals players. Like that that pisses fans off because all they want is equal respect when it's due. Yet, if you were to draw a Venn diagram visualizing fans who, on one side, consistently fight against anti-Bengals narratives, and on the other side, fans who wasted time and energy complaining about a portable cart being used in pre-practice press conferences, you'd be surprised how many fans land in both circles in the middle. Some of the biggest names on Bengals Twitter are fueling a narrative for quite literally the absolute dumbest reason possible. What's even funnier is that makeshift podium isn't even for players and coaches who are the people these fans ultimately want to defend. They just want to answer questions and get out of there. I know. I've been in person for several of those things. The podium on wheels is for the reporters. All they want is a place to put their recorders. They are the beneficiaries of it. The microphone the players are speaking into is a quality mic. The background is nice for the video. The cart is not in any video shots of the press conferences. It's there for one single purpose. But pictures of players and coaches speaking in front of a dusty cart is supposedly going to make the franchise look bad, even though their regular press conferences are located in a regular press room with a regular podium. But this does not become a talking point if fans of the team don't bring it up. You're just making your fight harder because you're giving pointless ammo to your ops. If you're really about it, there are infinitely more important battles for you to take on. That's all I got to say. Some of y'all are just way too much. I I hear you. I, I at first I was like kind of this this stand thing was like a joke thing, and I kind of got a chuckle out of it. And I'm like, okay, whatever. But now it's interesting how you correlate that in the the momentum that has gotten behind this cart thing. Uh, by the way, that that tweet that I retweeted, unbelievable audio clip by Peter King. Some people are just saying, oh well, it just means that they're not unbelievable. I, I was I don't know. I, I, I if you follow Peter King. Unfortunately, from his time being in Cincinnati covering the Bengals, there is there exists some sort of bias there. And then he basically admitted that in the Pro Football Hall of Fame voting process, there exists a bias, an anti-Bengals bias. Unbelievable. I know a lot of people are like, why are you surprised? Well, because it was actually basically admitted to I mean, yeah. by, by a national reporter. Now, let's bring in our special guest. What better time to bring in our special guest? Poor guy's been sitting there now for a couple minutes waiting to be introduced. Malik Wright, the head man at the Right Way Sports Network. Dude is everywhere, including just recently in Cincinnati for week four Thursday Night Football. Malik, it is long overdue that you are joining this program. How are you, man? I'm good, my man. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks, John, for having me on. Very excited to be on the show today. Yeah, well, before we get to some questions... 
And before we hear about your trip, what do you think about what John just said about the the, the mic stand and the Peter King stuff and all that all that kind of stuff? I agree a hundred percent. You know, it's funny. John and I talk in the DMs every now and again, and we we tend to agree on a lot of things. <laughs> I think we have we see things through the same lens, but um, it, it, we we are. This is an unnecessary conversation that we're having. I do think too much is is being made of the situation. But then again, it's a slow. Wednesday and uh, Thursday in Bengal Dome, or well, Friday at this point, but in, in Bengal Dome. So I think we just need anything to talk about. But uh, you know, we, we we complain a lot about you know the national media and how they view our franchise. But if we don't complain about the little things, then maybe they wouldn't. I mean, they have Twitters, they have social medias, they see the things that get people riled up. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw this on the headline of first take. <laughs> you know, coming up in a, in a day or two here, it just wouldn't shock me because. You, like like you like you, to your point, you're giving them ammo, but I, I think that th- that in no way is a reflection on this on the organization, nor should it be. I can just hear Colin Cowherd's Monday show. If the Bengals beat the Packers, which I'm sure we'll talk about <laughs> at some point, that the narrative will not be the Bengals beat Aaron Rodgers and are for real. The narrative will be, yeah, great win, but mm-hmm. have you seen the podium they use in the past? I, I mean, give me a break. Joyce, give me a break. That's an idea. He'll start. He'll probably start yelling and yapping, talking about some. All right, let's get a podium out there now, or something like yeah. that, or in, indoor practice facility. That's the craziest one oh, yeah. that I keep hearing about over and over. You know, I can't tell you how many times being in Cincinnati for the trip that I heard someone bring up the practice facility. I'm like, is that really a big deal? Like, is that as big of a deal as we're making it out to be? I don't know. We play in Ohio. We play in, you know, we play in cold weather conditions. Every team in the AFC North doesn't have a. We're not playing teams that have domes on, right? We. Cincinnati experiences all, all, all the weathers of the season, so to speak. So, I don't know. For me, for me, the whole indoor practice facility thing is overblown as well. But that's just me. you win, and this stuff goes away. It's not yeah, even yeah. a thing, right? Exactly. That's that's the deal, Malik. Before we um, before we get to some questions and whatnot, mm-hmm. uh, tell if, if for some reason folks mm-hmm. are living under a rock and they don't follow you on Twitter, they don't know about your your great company, what you guys are doing, because you got the little portion of what you do is Bengal-centric, but you guys cover all kinds of different stuff in sports, yeah. sports. And then tell us a little bit about your Thursday night experience in Cincinnati, if you wouldn't For mind sure. as well. For sure. So basically started the Right Way Sports Network in 2018, launched it before then. I had a very successful podcast on the East Coast uh, covering uh, you know pretty much all sports and stuff like that. Wanted to branch out. Started my own company, the Right Way Sports Network. Wanted to give... Um, you know, young people. I remember how hard it was for me to get started in the industry, and how people frowned upon, especially you go to some of these media events. People look at you like, "Wait, what do you do if you're not if you're not part of some of the big networks?" They they immediately look down upon upon you or wonder what you're doing, so to speak. So I wanted to give young people an opportunity, or younger people an opportunity, uh, to to really get their feet wet in the industry and really get to do some awesome things. Since then, we've been able to you know cover the Senior Bowl, the Combine, the the draft, and we we plan we have plans to cover multiple other teams we're, we're pretty much credentialed with every single major sports league and it's only going up and up i have an awesome team here that covers you know combat sports nba ufc nfl and i'm just really grateful um i know i might be the head man but i'm nothing without my team here at twsn um keeping it going uh the, the experience at thursday night was absolutely awesome it, it was great getting together with some of the the the, the Bengals faithful so to speak meeting a bunch of you guys um, that stadium was rocking, man. That stadium was rocking. Probably the loudest I've ever seen or heard of heard Paul Brown Stadium, um, especially the games that I've been to. But for for us playing the Jacksonville Jaguars on a Thursday night, you would have thought it was a divisional playoff game or, or something like that. It was it was honestly amazing the atmosphere that they created. So hats off to the Bengals organization. I mean, 
I was really, I don't know about you, John, no, John was there. I, I was really, really blown away by the player intros. You know, I've been to night games and I was blown away from the light show to the introduction. I mean, they've done a really great job of just, you know, instilling confidence in, in, in this organization, in, in the, the fan base and, yeah, just hats off. The Bengals did a fa fantastic job. They talked about ruling the jungle and doing all this stuff around the offseason. And some of it you were just like, okay, well, we'll see what happens. But I was honestly really blown away. The atmosphere was honestly amazing. Yeah, I was not there for the game Thursday night. Brian Evans in our comment section apparently was in section mm -hmm. 154. I was there in week one mm -hmm. and, you know, we saw all the, the, the fanfare and stuff like that. So they've had two great experiences to really give fans like an, an exciting atmosphere. One count yeah. overtime, one came down to the last seconds of the fourth quarter. So they're off to a good start with in that regard. And, and, and I hope I don't get too much flack for saying this. I want to say the. The most uh, energetic stadium that I've ever been to was the Baltimore Ravens. When I seen the Ravens take on the Cincinnati Bengals, actually Lamar Jackson's first start, right. and I just saw how energetic the fan base was. I saw how energy, how they, you know, just the little things, you know, having the legends pump up the crowd, you know, during uh, during dead periods or when it's a big third down stop, they have Ray Lewis, and just seeing how the Bengals have Boomer Esiason and say, "Get loud, come on, Bengals!" Like they had they had Bengals captain do an awesome cameo. It was just, it was just honestly really fantastic to see that we're we're really, you know, uh, reaching back into our roots and we're really, you know, getting this fan base revved up and, and energetic for what I believe is going to be a, a spectacular, you know, next ten years. The I, I can attest to that. I mean, not the same level probably as Thursday night, but the home opener I went to week one um, compared to the home opener I went to back in 2016, mm -hmm. night and day in terms of player intros and, mm -hmm. and the experience in game right outside of the stadium and the things that they've done for fans right outside of the stadium. So kudos to the Bengals and the stuff they've done there. Now, before we get to questions and we've got plenty already queued up. You can get in touch with us a number of different ways. Call or text 949-542-6241. We've got live chats going in the Cincy Jungle Facebook page. We've got our Twitter accounts being monitored. We've got the uh, YouTube chat going. We've got a post on Cincy Jungle with comments. So no excuses. You can email us at theobinsider at gmail.com. We'll kind of be keeping an eye out for things there. So get your questions in. We're going to be here for a little while. Hopefully, Maliki got a little time to hang out with us. Sure. But uh, we're going to be here for a little while answering your questions as the, as the Bengals have a huge one this week. Normally, I would just kind of say, hey, who wants to go first? But I'm already seeing one directed to our guest of honor, Stuart Monty from our live YouTube chat. I'm going to, I'm going to let your bat lead off here, Malik, because this one was specifically addressed to you. Malik, how are you feeling about the defense? I assume that means the Bengals defense against the Packers. Really good. I mean, they're getting Jesse Bates back, Cheetah Bay Awuzie back. Uh, they got Trey Waynes back in the fold. Mike Hilton is still there. And it seems like this, this will be the first time we see our defense all together, not to mention no one's talking about it. Ricardo Allen's back. Ricardo Allen was a huge shining for the Cincinnati Bengals in the offseason. He played great uh, before, you know, going down with injury. I feel really, really good about our defense. You're not going to stop Aaron Rodgers, okay? Let's talk about that right away. You're not going to start stop Aaron Rodgers, but you can slow him down. I've seen it happen, and I, I've seen it happen in the jungle. And lo and behold, he's playing in the jungle again. So um, I, 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 it wouldn't shock me, you know, with all the injuries that they have up front. I expect Trey – uh, Trey Hendrickson and uh, that defensive line to have a, a really, really good day. Good luck, Aaron Jones, running the ball on this defense. I don't envision it. If Aaron, Rod if Aaron Jones does damage, I expect it to be in the passing game. John, I mean, 
Uh, honestly, the only the only people that can stop Aaron Rodgers apparently the Saints in Week One in, in yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was bizarre. Like there was yeah. a whole theory about like is he actually tanking because he wants to get out of Green Bay and then he just lit up the next three games or whatnot. But that that is true. Like this is like that Aaron Rodgers from last year. You know, and he kind of surprised everyone last year because everyone mm-hmm. thought that he was kind of falling off the cliff a little bit, and then he kind of just returned to his old form. But I, I think just like I talked with you, Anthony, in, in the main show. Like, yeah, the Packers deserve to be the favorites in this game. They mm-hmm. they are having explosive offense and stuff like that. But a lot of things are working for the Bengals right now. I think Malik brought up a great point. This is the first time that all five starters in the secondary, including Ricardo Allen, I guess is the sixth, are going to be playing on the, on the together on the same field for the first time. The defensive line is fully healthy. Like, they have all of their personnel available to slow down Aaron Rodgers to the best of their ability. They're getting guys back on offense. The only guy that they're really going to miss is Joe Mixon. And I think, honestly, that his presence could honestly maybe help open up the offense and just have them be more aggressive on early downs. So the offense getting off to a hot start could definitely help out the defense, too, because that was definitely the issue against the Jaguars playing on short rest against Trevor Lawrence. That was a problem. They got exploited a little bit because they kept going out there on short days rest. And they played like 80 something snaps against the Steelers like four days before. So that was a problem. But now they're on 10 days rest and now they have all their personnel back. As long as the offense doesn't put them in and keep going three and out every every now and then they're going to be in the best chance for them to slow down Aaron Rodgers to the best of their ability this is the to, this Sunday is about as close to the Lou Anarumo vision as, as we're going to get uh, in 21 you know I, everybody most everybody is healthy Ricardo Allen coming back and Bates and Awuzier and you got Wayne's back out there now like you mentioned the only guy really missing um, as a big part of that vision was Joseph Osai so I mean when you look at the defense there and I like that Malik brought up Ricardo Allen, because I think that's an undervalued uh, player, not necessarily for his, just him individually, but the fact that he can kind of play in this three safety system. It allows Von Bell to do things that he does best. It allows Jesse Bates to do things that he does best. And it just uh, provides another kind of uh, moving part out there mm-hmm. for Aaron Rodgers, I guess, that that could provide a little bit more confusion. Guys, we've got a call on the line. It's our old buddy. We have not heard from him in a long time. John from Kentucky, I believe. John, is that you? That's me. Hey, it's so great to be uh, back on the program, guys. And uh, I think the Bengals are as different uh, as night and day uh, this season from what I've seen uh, in the past few seasons. I am so happy and so thankful that Cincinnati has an NFL team. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) So there for a while, it was pretty hard to be a Bengals fan. But uh, first of all, who is this one player on the Bengals? I don't mean to get off track here, but he looks like he plays in a heavy metal band. Uh, Irwin, is this his guy's name or something? I haven't, haven't said too much about him, before, but he made a catch yeah. against the Jaguars. I think I'm going to go out and get one of his jerseys or something, man. Maybe grow my hair longer yet or something. <laughs> wow. This is pretty cool, but uh, is he a is he a wide receiver or a tight end or what? I think he's a receiver, isn't he? Yeah, he's a wide receiver. I think he's kind of a, a you know a backup slot option. He can do a, he do a number of different things. You guys got to watch some Pac twelve football. This guy's from Stanford. Come on now, you got to you got to give don't the Pac twelve. You don't have to, right? <laughs> Uh, no, but he, you know, one of those guys that I, they feel he was, he was kind of a bubble guy, um, this, this year in terms of the roster, he's bounced on and off the roster. He did some nice things in the preseason, but, uh, in training camp, but didn't initially make it. Then they brought him up and, and made a nice catch. Hell of a throw by Joe Burrow, Absolutely. Play, by the way, um, just placed it in the yeah. most incredible spot. But yeah, that's, that's a little bit on Irwin, maybe a guy who's got a future down the road, but, um, 
Yeah. Uh, what, what other question you got for us, John, before we move on here? Well, I tell you what, I think all those players are just very, very excited to be playing uh, with uh, Joe Burrow. And I guess I'll tell you what, I, I'm going to go with the Bengals for the win uh, this uh, Sunday. And uh, just, I mean, what is uh, your opinion of the Bengals right now overall? Just to make it, uh, that's a pretty broad question, but just to make it quick since we got limited time. I, I, I like it, John. We'll answer off the air. I'm going to let Malik go first on this one. Thanks for calling in. Sure, Glad you're man. well, man. Good thanks, to hear from you. Thanks for taking my call. Yep. Thanks, John. Uh, I, I think the Bengals are, are, are going to, are entering into a special stretch here. Um, I think the one hiccup in their schedule if I see one uh, of the games coming up, could be the Ravens one, but the, you know, the other games are, are fairly, I don't want to say easy because no game in the NFL is easy, but you, you, you'd think the Bengals would beat the Lions. You'd think the Bengals would beat the, would beat the Jets. I expect this team to starting this week. So to blow a lot of people away, to blow a lot of people away. And I think this will, this is the start of a special run that this team is going to go on. Of course, hoping everyone stays healthy. Huh? It's hard to deny the potential of what they can do. It's right. just the fact that the first four weeks, it, I, I don't know how much of it is put on the coaching staff, just unsure of how to balance the pass in the run game, or if it's just a lot of just making sure of just seeing what Joe Burrow is capable of doing after his knee injury. You have to think, though, after playing two games in, in five days and playing as well as he did against the Steelers and Jags, like this is the time to unleash the true vision of what this offense is. And maybe it is still going to be an equal marriage between Frank Pollock's wide zone run scheme and the passing game that's predicated off of what Burrow did in LSU and Zach Taylor's best ability to mar- to marry that with an NFL concepts and stuff like that. But like they need to have this offense be carried by Burrow right now if they want to be competitive in, in these games. And if they do that, then yes, they have a great chance of beating Green Bay and getting on a little bit of a run here and maybe extend this lead in the AFC North. If you don't mind me answering that, just really yeah. quickly, sorry. Um, no, you're absolutely, you, you, you absolutely hit, hit it, uh, John. The fact of the matter is I think it was a combination of a few things, but I think the biggest one was the Bengals wanted to see how Burrow, listen, you, he's coming off of a major, major knee surgery, major knee injury. You know, They wanted to make sure that that didn't happen again, and they did everything in their power, especially while this offensive line was gelling, trying to get this offensive line to gel that they didn't put him in harm's way, so to speak. So they did develop a conservative game plan. But once they realized, oh, snap, Joe Burrow can handle this. Joe Burrow is ready for the moment. They're, they unleashed him like they did in the second half. And if, like you said, if Thursday night didn't show this coaching staff that he's ready to go, I don't know what will. But I, I expect this offense to have their best performance on Sunday. Well, we've said that this week is obviously going to be a big barometer in terms of, you know, I mean, it may not mean all that much in terms of playoff race, AFC playoff picture, because it is an interconference game. But, mm-hmm. you know, this is this is a game that really, when, when you go up against an Aaron Rodgers and there, there are some questions about the, I guess, validity of the wins that you've accrued against the teams that you, you know, none of them have winning records at this point. There may be some questions lingering out there. But to both of your guys' point about Burrow, uh, and it's actually it's actually a good thing you added on Malik because I was doing a little research here. When you look at the 2021 games for Joe Burrow, the attempts, the passing attempts, weeks one through four, 27 attempts against Minnesota, 30 attempts against Chicago, uh, 18 against Pittsburgh, and 32 against Jacksonville. When you look at 20 uh, last year's rookie year first first four weeks. 36 attempts against the Chargers, 61 attempts against Cleveland, 44 attempts against Philadelphia in an overtime game, and 36 
against Jacksonville. So there is a disparity in terms of amount of passing attempts with Mixon being out. You're probably going to see a higher volume of pass attempts from Joe Burrow. But, uh, you know, what we know last year, those high pass attempts didn't necessarily equate to wins for the team this year. They're managing that a little bit. Their record's three and one. But I think for a lot of different reasons, they're going to have to to open it up a bit more. And I think to your guys' point, games against the Chiefs coming up, two against the Ravens coming up, two against Cleveland coming up, against the Chiefs coming up. You know, it, it's great to beat Minnesota. It's always great to beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. Um, it's great to beat Jacksonville in prime time. But there's there are some quality teams, and the Bengals need to start getting those quality wins. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Want to go to uh, West Coast Bengals uh, question in the Cincy Jungle chat? I'm going to direct this towards Malik so he can take the first bat at it. With uh, Joe Mixon not ready to play, perhaps we activate Puka Williams as a chase, cha- change of pace back as a running back. Ba- basically, he's asking like, what is really the plan with Mixon not expected to play? Do you do you? I'm assuming you're expecting Mixon not to play, and if he does not, what do you think is going to be the plan with Samaji P. Ryan, Chris Evans? Do they maybe activate a guy off the practice squad as well? I definitely, th- I definitely could see them activating a, a player off the practice squad. But re- remember, Zach did say today, you know, Zach, Joe Mixon was pretty much held out for precautionary reasons, just to see how he, how he looks. Essentially, they, we we know we've seen Joe Mixon, you know, play on short short notice before. But tomorrow is the big is the big key. If Joe Mixon practices tomorrow and he feels good, he's more than likely going to go. He's not listed as doubtful right now. Right now, he's listed as questionable, which is I think is is, is huge. But if not, I do expect them to activate another running back not to say that that running back will get any carries Samaja Piran will take the bulk of the carries if Mixon is out but um I I think that the game plan still they won't deviate from the game plan I think we see a lot of Chris Evans in the passing game things of that nature picking up where uh, Joe Mixon sort of left off I want to get to this one Malik um this is a text from 661 area code we talked a little bit about Darius Phillips with um with our, our guest on Wednesday here mm-hmm. and 
The question says, has Darius Phillips tanked it? Good corner and great return man. It looks like he has tanked it. I don't I don't know that I necessarily agree with good corner, great return man. I would say yeah. there are a lot of skills there, and there are moments of greatness, especially at corner. Mm-hmm. I think the return man thing is, you know, still something in progress. I don't think he's tanked it, but I mean, I, there was another question too. I mean, is there, I think it was in our live chat on Cincy Jungle about, you know, do you see the Bengals making a change at return man because of the 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 poor decisions that Phillips has made on punt returns, kick returns? I don't know. I mean, what? How do you feeling about this whole thing? Because he he throws out also those cryptic tweets where you go, "Are you unhappy?" Like what? I mean, I I, I don't I can't yeah. figure out what's going on here. Uh, I'll, I'll say this: you guys aren't the the fan base and those on social media aren't the only ones that see those stuff as well. But um, what I will say is. I think that Darius Phillips is pressing a little bit too much when he does get his opportunities. He's trying so hard to make an opportunity um, to make something happen when he does get an opportunity, especially in the return game. He's trying to have the biggest impact on the game. What I think because he doesn't have that because he's not getting the opportunities to at corner or because he isn't necessarily in, too involved, which I think leads to poor decision-makings at times. But up until as of recently, Darius Phillips has been a pretty good you know return man for us. Um, if this continues, I want to say going into maybe the next like three weeks, I'm sure we could see a change. But also, this is the same team that kept Alex Erickson back there for a long time. <laughs> so I'm not <laughs> sure if I'm not sure if I don't I'm not I'm not necessarily sure if we'll see that change so abruptly. I think Darius Phillips still has a lot of positives to offer this football team, and um, I don't think that the towel is thrown on him just yet. It's it's weird because like I, I think he was a a multi-purpose return man in Western Michigan in college, but in with, when he was with the Bengals, at least for the first three years, he was mainly a kick returner. And this like pump returns are are mostly new to him for the first time mm-hmm. since college. And it's clear that he's just not as adept with doing that as much as he is a kick returner. But they have Brandon Wilson for kick returns too. I mean, honestly, like he, Wilson is not really impressed in that regard either. So the whole return game is is a little bit in question. I believe that was another question that we had in the live in the uh, comment section was that like it's looking like return game is like the biggest weakness of this of this team. But if that's your biggest weakness, you you probably are doing pretty good on offense and defense. Yeah, yeah, and ironically, when the team was bad the past couple of years that was like one of their strongest points right i mean wilson was like kind of a, a pro bowl type guy and <laughs> i mean they, they would pop some big returns and this year it's just uh it's it's not working well uh john or malik do you see something that you want to get to next somebody asked uh, uh tonio from cincy text he asked think the bengals select the corner high in the draft mm, the trey wayne stuff yeah uh, would another wayne's injury solidify that choice um I can't answer that question um, for reasons, uh, <laughs> for certain reasons, but um, I would say it would not shock me if the Bengals drafted a corner early this year. My buddy Grant, you guys should give him a follow. He's a, he's a really good follow. It's like a Bengal sorcerer. Not that he doesn't have any sorcerer or anything like that. It's not me, but he, uh, he, he is a good follow. <laughs> he tends to predict things really, really well. A year before in advance, he says, you know what, Malik, the Bengals are going to draft Jamar Chase. I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? The season hasn't even started. I'm telling you, they're going to draft Jamar Chase next year. He's hell-bent. He says, he said, Derek Stingley's going to fall in the draft, fall in the draft. This is before any of this, you know, he had a down season and before the foot surgery. He's hell-bent on saying Derek Stingley's going to be a Cincinnati Bengal next year. We'll see. So, hmm. yeah. 
he doesn't have any sources like me. Very subtle flex. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't have any sources like John. John's the man. <laughs> wink, wink. Hey, you know, three three straight LSU Tigers. What, what's the worst that could happen? You know, the first oh two has God. worked out pretty well. Right. Yeah. You know, one guy, one guy I keep your eye out for is the guy from Cincinnati. I know. Uh, Sauce. I know, I know teams like him. Sauce Gardner. Yeah. What, what do you what do you guys think about Trey Wayne? So last week he had the big completion on him against Chenault. As you look at the film, at least when I re-looked at it, Chenault kind of gave him two shoves, one to the neck and one to the face that weren't called. The, the ref was like looking right at it and didn't call it. Um, regardless, big play against him. First game back in a really long time. Had missed, God, what, 19 games since signing the free agent deal with, with yeah. Cincinnati? Um I mean, obviously, he could turn things around and do so pretty quickly, especially with all the parts coming back. But we're now almost a year and a half into this deal. Uh, what, what do you guys think he needs to do to for the Bengals to say, like, hey, we're, we're going to keep honoring this deal here and not cut ties? John, you can answer Malik. that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I feel like there is an interesting... Am I, am I putting you on the spot, Malik? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm not. Like I, I'm a bad. I'm not a liar. I'm not a liar, and I. Uh, I don't want to reveal. Like you know. All right. All right. Fair enough. You 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 can pull up some some gifs on the screen, and we'll we'll just try to interpret that like that. But I think there's an interesting dichotomy with how fans treat Trey Waynes and Trey Hendrickson, because both times the initial reaction was, "Why are they paying this guy this much money?" And obviously, Trey Waynes misses the first 19 games of his Bengals career. He only has what like like 30 something to go. So he's missed a lot of time in his three year contract with the Bengals, but Trey Hendrickson walks in in the first four weeks has done really well. And everyone is, is already going off of their priors and saying, this guy is great. This guy is definitely worth the money. Meanwhile, Trey Wayne's has played one game and it's still basically like, yeah, this guy is just not very good. Well, in reality with Minnesota, he was just an okay guy with the Vikings. And then the Bengals paid him to be this guy for them. like basically a number one cornerback. But again, he hasn't played since what, January of 2020, and it was his first game back on a short week coming off of another separate mm -hmm. hamstring injury. So I just think that we as fans typically judge free agent decisions way too early. We expedite that process because they're known commodities and typically teams don't usually wait out the entire duration of contracts to make final decisions on these guys. So in our minds, we are really quick to judge how these guys are good or not. So sometimes it can end up like Trey Hendrickson where everyone is really positive in the beginning. And sometimes it could be Trey Waynes where everyone kind of jumps off the boat really quickly, but there's still plenty of time for Trey Waynes to be that solid player that he was brought in to be. This may sound like a really old school answer, but in this, think about it. If the Bengals would have just signed Trey Waynes and they didn't have all the money tied to him, that and it wasn't like known knowledge, right? Would the pressure be on him so much as much? I don't, I don't think so, right? He got, but he got paid. He's getting what paid twenty million dollars this year, essentially to be to be a number one corner. Right. So I've been telling everyone this, and people that I know in the organization disagree with me, but I always felt Cheetah Bay Awuzie was the number one corner. I, I've been a big, a huge Cheetah Bay Ouzier fan um, back in his Dallas days. I, so when we signed him, I was I was over the moon. I was super excited with the signing of Cheetah Bay Ouzier. So it's not it, – the biggest thing with Cheeto was could he stay healthy? That was the biggest thing with Cheeto. Could Cheeto Bay Ouzier stay healthy? Now we're seeing him stay healthy outside of last week where he didn't play. And he's been good this season. He's been yeah. really good this season. He's been he did had a hell of a training camp, and now he you know that transferred into into the season. And I expect him to to do well. So I think a, a tandem of Cheetah Bay Woozy and Trey Waynes can do wonders for this Bengals football team. That being said, I think Trey Waynes 
um, he need they 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 brought him here right to to take the ball away right not just play cornerback right but when opportunities present themselves for you to be a difference maker that was that's the biggest reason why William Jackson is not is no longer a Bengal guys for as good as a coverage corner he was the guy was one of the absolute worst corners at tracking the football he's one of the worst he he had what one or maybe one two maybe maybe three interceptions while he was in a lot of dropped interceptions a lot too. of dropped interceptions that was the mm-hmm. but. Those are those are points. Those are points, you know, going back the other way if you hold on to them. So Trey Waynes, that was something he was really, really good at. Here, I'm going to tell you why I'm excited, guys, for this week, though. The most intercepted quarterback in Trey Waynes' career, Aaron no. Rodgers. No. Oh, Aaron Rodgers. Oh, wow. He has, he has made a living off of picking. He's one of the few corners that has got Aaron Rodgers down. He's has, has a couple of picks on Aaron Rodgers. And uh, I expect him to have a pretty good game. I expect him to have a pretty good game this week. That's on the flip side. Uh, William Jackson's first interception was also Aaron Rodgers. It was. It was. <laughs> it, it was. It was. But if you if you ever look at Trey Wayne's highlight tape too, there's a lot of Aaron Rodgers interceptions on there. A lot of Aaron Rodgers interceptions on there. He's done some pretty good work against Aaron. We'll see if he keeps mm. it up. In, in total, though, even if Trey Waynes is decent this year, then he's got one year left on his contract. I think it, it makes a lot of sense why they would go back to picking a cornerback in the first round. Like they need, like you can always use depth there, and and most likely you're going to be drafting what, and like at, at least like mm-hmm. the the second half of the of the first round. So you know, it's never a bad uh, idea to invest in a cornerback position, especially when one of your starters has only one year left. Absolutely. They like those first round corners. Let's talk a little offensive line, guys. Uh, I, I know everybody either wanted uh, there was some combination, whether it was get me Joe Tooney, get me Kevin Zeidler, get me Penny Sewell, get me you know whoever. Uh, and the Bengals somehow, even though there have been a lot of different, um, a lot of different opinions on how the Bengals offensive line has performed. There's been some other not so good scores like the one you're seeing on this screen here. Why is Jackson Carmen's PFF only 28? Um, but then you've got other graphics like Jonah Williams. What, what was he? The the tackle who's first the least amount of, of yeah. pressures or uh, yeah. yeah. So um, you've got kind of this weird dichotomy in terms of performance on the offensive line. I think Riley Reef has been a nice steadiness has brought a nice steadiness uh, to, to that offensive line. Malik, I'll let you go first on the thoughts of the offensive line through the first quarter of the season. What kind of grade would you give that group and Frank Pollock for, I don't know, what, what they've done, what they haven't done? I'm going to give them right now a solid C. A solid C, I'm going to say. Maybe C+, plus, maybe. Um, I think that we're starting to see this offensive line finally, Joe. I think that um, Jackson Carmen. Listen, guys, at the end of the day, if you're not if you're not showing up on the film constantly, that's a good thing. I don't care what their PFF grade or what whatever their grade is. If they're not showing up on the film consistently in a negative light, that's a positive, right? Considering what we've had come through here. I mean, we we'd love for all of our guys to have 80 plus PFF grades and and look fantastic. But the fact of the matter is you're gonna have hard weeks. You're gonna you're gonna struggle some weeks. You're not gonna have great games every single week. Uh, Jackson Carmen is a rookie, right? But he's learning as he goes. And I think the biggest thing with him is the fact that he went from being a third stringer to a second stringer. Now he's a starter 
for this Bengals offensive line. So the, it's shown you that he's showing, you know, growth at the position and he's continuing to grow. And isn't it funny that immediately as soon as we add into the lineup, the running game just starts, just starts hitting consistent. We start seeing more holes and stuff open up. But um, I think this offensive line still has, um, still has more work to do. I think that as the season goes on, you know, we'll, we'll continue, we'll continuously see them improve. But Again, if you were a Bengals fan back in 2018, as all of us here were, this shouldn't be shocking. This is what a Frank Pollock offensive line breeds on, consistency. One of the most beautiful things I saw on Thursday night was that somebody did a screenshot, basically, of the offensive line, and they were all working in unison, doing the same exact thing. It was just beautiful. It was a lot different from what we've seen in years past without saying anyone's name. Yeah, I'll say his name, Jim Turner. Um... Awful. <laughs> Awful. <laughs> here's the thing of why I don't like people throwing out just PFF scores with no context because no one really knows how the process is and how the scores are weighted with everything that goes into it. Mm -hmm. Uh, In talking with uh, Austin Gale, who is the director of content for PFF, he explained to me that um, specifically with offensive linemen, it's about how your overall play impacts the the performance of the offense. And Mm -hmm. part of that comes with penalties. Jackson Carmen's been flagged twice in 105 snaps. That is going to tank your PFF grade, regardless of how many pressures and sacks and missed blocks that you have. So that is where that 28 grade comes from. But when breaking down the 28 grade, you look at pass blocking, he was, I think, 68 against the Steelers and like something in the 40s against the Jags because there were just a handful of times where, you know, the Jaguars defensive tackles got the best of him. The thing with Carmen, though, even on those bad reps, it's not it's clear and evident that he can do it's just not clicking 100 just yet the ability and the talent and just the raw traits they are all there which was not the case with some of the guys that came before him so it's just a matter of time before how many of these reps that carmen continues to get and how things can start to click malik is right the entire unit right now is is very cohesive and it's working together and that's leading to less negative plays of course when you have a rookie out there playing against you know nfl players for the first time you're going to run into some miscues because the mental and physical aspects of the game are combining for the first time and it's a really it's a lot it's, it's really fast but carmen at this point for being 21 years old looks physically capable of doing anything that he's being asked to do I said this the other day. I think it was with Drew Garrison on our on the uh, Bengals and NFL news uh, show on on Tuesday, just to kind of piggyback on both of what you guys said. I don't want to repeat a lot of that because you guys hit it hit it well. The only thing I guess I can add is the thing that I'm noticing the most, and I guess that plays into the cohesion thing that you guys are talking about. In in the past couple of years, false start sixty two and Bobby Hart on the right <laughs> side. Would, when they had a bad play, it ended up being a devastating rep, right. a, a, a loss on a run play of five yards, a quarterback sack, sometimes sack fumble, right? Sometimes they would have a bad rep at the same exact time, a devastating rep at the same exact time that would mm-hmm. just cause total havoc. We're just not seeing that, whether whether it's the Riley improvement, uh, Riley Reef improvement at right tackle, whether it's Jackson Carmen kind of growing into his role, obviously Jonah playing a lot better at left tackle. There, there are a lot of different things you can point to, but the, the, it, the penalties have been cut down. Um, yes. The quarterback hits and some of the quarterback sacks are still there early on, but I just, I feel like there's not just these absolutely devastating reps. And when they, when some of these players have a bad rep, they are able to mask it better. Absolutely. Than, than they have been able to in years past. That's just my take on it. But um, really good stuff from all of you guys. We're going to be here for a little while longer. Hopefully you still got some time to hang I with got us. Some time. I got some time. Okay. Awesome. Um, before we get to more questions, 
we are going to tell you a little bit about our new, some new stuff with our partnership with Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L. We were joined earlier this week by Kenneth Giles, the CEO of Symbol. We've now partnered with Symbol for gosh, months now. It's been it's been a great partnership. Symbol.app backslash OBI. Symbol is where you can invest in teams, maybe like the Cincinnati Bengals, like their stocks. And you can play it like the stock market, whether it's a short-term play, a long-term play. You can go in there and make some money, whether it's on teams you're passionate about or teams that you just feel like there's a good financial opportunity. Go take advantage. John, if our listeners and Cincy Jungle readers end up signing up with a deposit of $100 or more, there's a specific incentive for them, right? Absolutely. If you deposit $100 with the promo code OBI, that $100 is completely risk-free. It's like taking a Benjamin out of your pocket. It's like buying some groceries and then saying, I don't like these groceries, and then taking them back, and you get that $100 back. It's completely risk-free for anyone who is a little bit unsure about how to play the symbol market. But let's use our opponent, the Green Bay Packers, as an example. Draft night, I'm sure Malik was very busy that night. Aaron Rodgers breaks news, or I guess the, the, Aaron Rodgers' name breaks news and saying, I don't want to play for the Packers anymore. The simple price for the Sim Packers went down to $31 that night. Right now, it's over $50. So if you would have bought low at the Packers on draft night and then held on to them until October 5th of this week, you would have netted some profit. That's basically how Symbol works. It's The market is basically predicated upon user activity, and it's basically all up to you guys. So if you have knowledge about your favorite sports teams or just sports teams in general, whether it's the NFL, NBA, MLB, college football, and starting this week, hockey, NHL, you can leverage that knowledge and try to make some money off it. So go to symbol.app backslash OBI, get your risk-free $100 deposit and start making some money. Good stuff from Symbol, and it was fun talking uh, talking Packers with Kenneth. He's he's on the, the Packers side of the fence there, so he brought some good insight. I, I want to let you guys pick some, but I, I got I to gotta impose my will here because I saw a tweet because this guy has been one of my favorite free agency signings by the Bengals and favorite players to watch this year. Larry Joby. here is a tweet from Johnny Bangle at JohnnyNIX88. Is Larry Joby a candidate for the franchise tag transition tag? Now, I think we can all agree that it depends on what happens with Jesse Bates, of course, but let's just say they get Jesse Bates signed long-term. Um, I don't know which which one of you guys want to go first, but do you think Larry Joby is basically their next priority based on what he has done so far in four games this year? I think they have a decision to make, um, and it's a very good decision to make. They have a decision to make either with B.J. Hill or Larry Kinjobi. Um, I, I don't know what the decision is going to be just yet. I'm sure I will find out when the time comes, but um, I, it might be a little too, too early to answer that necessarily. I, I think that a lot of stuff need to still needs to resolve itself. Um, health is a determining factor. Also, mm-hmm. who, who's willing to accept a respectable number that the Bengals are willing to offer as well. Um, but Larry Okunjobi has been amazing this season. He's been fantastic this season, been one of the best pickups. And I, I literally told people when we signed him, you know, I what he's doing right now is not necessarily shocking me because he was played out of position in, in, in Cleveland, right? He was played as a nose tackle. He's a three-tech. He, he's he's a guy that can rush the pass or stop the run, things of that nature. So Larry Okunjobi definitely deserves it. And I, I really do – I really would like to see him, you know, stay in, in, in stripes for sure. I think he came up in conversation with at least one of the players in the press conferences this week and as just a guy who just has kept his head down, doesn't really say anything in the locker room, but he knows there's an opportunity in front of him 
he's playing in another contract year and he's trying to make the most of it. And the Bengals have given him an opportunity to thrive in his natural position and he's kind of running with it. But on that point, I think BJ Hill is a great uh, talking point as well. Like he's also in a contract year. You know, he was traded from the Giants where he was basically behind a lot of other talented players. He wasn't given that opportunity to really display his talents. I was talking to Dan Schneider, who was a Giants reporter. And he was basically saying like, for the first three years, I saw BJ Hill barely being played, but he was making plays whenever he was on the field for the Giants. And then the Giants thought that, you know, they were better off with Billy Price. So they traded for Billy Price. And now BJ Hill is, is, has got like two or three sacks with the Bengals in four games. So yeah, if Larry Joby decides, you know, next, next year that I want to test the market and, and go to someplace else, I think, the Bengals would love to have BJ Hill back because honestly, he's in a very similar position and he's a very similar player. who could do similar things. Absolutely. That rotation that they have built up front. And uh, you know, like you said, playing Larry Ogunjobi at his more natural position last year, he was out of position with Cleveland and the stats showed it, but um, playing a more natural position and keeping him fresh, keeping DJ reader fresh and being able to utilize the rotation that Lou Anarumo seemingly has wanted since coming to Cincinnati has mm-hmm. been absolutely key to the defensive success for the Bengals. Who uh, who wants to pick the next one? We've only got time for a couple more, I think, here. So who wants to go next? Hmm. So I think we had a text, um, and I think this is this is definitely primed for Malik's knowledge. Uh, text from the 786 area code. <laughs> is Aaron Rodgers really going to Pittsburgh? Can the Steelers <laughs> afford him? And is this weekend an interview? Uh, I think too much is being made. <laughs> I think too much is being made of the whole Aaron Rodgers to Pittsburgh thing right now. It's way too early, uh, way too early to even get into that. I appreciate the question. Um, no, I, I don't think that this week is an interview. <laughs> I think that you can look at Aaron Rodgers. If the Pittsburgh Steelers are interested in Aaron Rodgers, right, I think you can look at his entire body work of his right. entire career right. and be like, you know, this guy's pretty good, you know, regardless of what happens this week, regardless of Aaron Rodgers go, goes out there and throws six interceptions. Um, but that's a very premature question, and uh, but to, to try to answer that the best of my, my to my knowledge, I I, I don't think that uh, there's real interest at this point between either parties. I'll leave it at that. I, look, I, I don't think Rodgers is going to be a guy that they. I think everybody's making this. There was like this look exchange in the game last mm-hmm. week between it was Tomlin and right. and Rodgers. They kind of had this like, "Hey, what's going on?" type of right. weird weird vibe thing going. And I think that's where people are running with this thing. But and obviously, just Ben kind of looking like he's cooked and and Rodgers being unhappy. So I, I understand kind of where people are trying to piece this conspiracy mm-hmm. theory together. I totally agree with you. An interview for. Aaron Rodgers doesn't need to interview for anything. No, so um, you can throw that one away. But um, the, the Steelers afford him, whether it's him, another high-priced quarterback, that's another question because they seem to be up against the cap, yet they continue to work magic. They brought in Schobert sure. this year and do, done all kinds of different things. So uh, I know what, – what do you have, Malik? To answer that, though, Aaron Rodgers has came out and pretty much declared if – if, if I'm signing with a team or you read between the tea leaves, essentially uh, you got to be prepared to offer Devonte Adams as well, because this is all looks like Devonte mm-hmm. Adams last year in, in green Bay too. So whoever Aaron Rodgers goes, Devonte Adams is sort of like Tom Brady and, and Antonio Brown. Only difference is Devonte Adams is still in his prime and still can be paid as one of the top receivers in the football right now. Um, you got to be prepared to offer Devonte Adams the bag. So I don't know if Pittsburgh would check that box. Yeah, probably. John, you didn't answer the question, bud. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking that like Randall Cobb was that was that piece. You know, as long as the Steelers bring in Randall Cobb, then they can yeah. put him in. Um, no, <laughs> like I because uh, I think that moment in the game, it, it was it was entirely because I think Tomlin did something like called timeout, like the Rodgers had something on the field or something like that, and then like, he saw something. Yeah, he saw something. Yeah. And- so, so it was just CBS's like camera work that basically got that, and then everyone started running with it. It makes it makes sense in in theory because they need a new quarterback, and they're the Steelers, and they don't probably don't want to draft one. But in reality, like yeah, it's probably too early to do this. And I think what people are not realizing this Pittsburgh Steelers roster is not a roster that's ready to win right now. They're like they're not a roster that's they have so many holes on their roster. Uh, you know, for them to then go out and, and sign Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and okay, well, their roster is still abysmal. They still have listen, Pittsburgh fans hate to say it because they never went through it before. It's like a couple of buddies of mine, Pittsburgh Steelers fans. Well, Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season, so I don't envision it happening. All right. Well, it's the first time for everything. We didn't see Con McGurr getting knocked out, but we it happened, right? It's the same thing with this right here. I I, I think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going through a rebuild and they have to just accept it. They have to accept it. The Bengals fans, we didn't accept it when we were going through a rebuild, you know, after, after 2015, essentially the Pittsburgh Steelers have to accept this rebuild and fully embrace it. Yeah. I mean, you're talking cornerback, you're talking offensive line. You're talking, there's a lot of pieces there that, that probably need to be upgrading, which is like to your point and to the the point of Mike Tomlin's great career. It's, it's kind of shocking that it, Mm -hmm. that it got, got that way, but uh, you know, every, every empire crumbles at Absolutely. some point, I guess. So, uh, you know, I, I, even if it's for a year or so, they may not even be that down this year. It just may be an uncharacteristic year for the, for the Steelers, but nevertheless, the Bengals getting a 14 point win at Heinz field is always, always. a good feeling. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have some other, uh, special ones that are jumping out at you, but I have one that may be a good one to end on since we're coming up on an hour and I don't, I don't want to take up a ton of everybody's time here. There was an email from Kevin um, that, that came our way. He kind of just asked a question point blank is, and and I left the tail end of it off because number 32 shall not be named, but uh, is this the biggest game for the Bengals in recent years? Maybe even since the 2015 wildcard game against the Steelers odd to say interconference game. It's, it's a team you don't see very often and it's a week five game. But how important is this one, especially from the Bengals side of the fence? From a national perception, from a national per- per- perception, this is the biggest game since the 2015 playoff uh, playoff game, only because the Bengals haven't necessarily been taken serious pretty much since that game, right? We've That's a game people like to point back to a lot, right? And I think that in order to turn the page and welcome in, fully embrace the Joe um, Burrow era, the Zach Taylor era with this new football team. I think we need a signature win. People said the Titans were a signature win for us last year. Well, the Jets just beat the Titans right this year. And, you know, it seems like that's the get right game for a lot of people. Um, I think, and I said this, I might've been talking to John. I don't, I'm not sure. I might've been talking to John when I said this, but I think when we look back from a per, national perce- per, perception, the, this game, this game is the biggest game. But I think locally speaking, for those of us who follow the team, for the players inside that locker room, we'll always look back to last year's Monday night victory over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Mm. That was the game that turned the page. And I mean that with all sincerity. That was the game that they turned the page and they realized we can compete. We are better than, you know, what our record says we are. 
we we can be that team that challenges for the AFC North. And we are no longer the Pittsburgh Steelers' stepbrother. That we're no we're no longer the little brother. We're no longer the little brother. And I think that the Bengals are walking in that this year. They believe in in, in their this team's ability. They believe in the coaching staff. They believe in the quarterback in a way that they never have before. So I do think from a national perspective, this game is the the biggest that the Bengals have had since 2015, and that's why I have the Bengals winning this game. I feel like there's just always going to be the next game. Um because we were talking about this two weeks ago about is the Steelers game in week three, like, is this the most important game in recent history? And me and Anthony both kind of said yes. And then they won. They won by two scores for the first time since me and Malik were born in the mid nineties. Like <laughs> it, 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 it was insane. And then of course, afterwards it's, Oh, Ben is cooked. Ben is done. The Steelers are bad. And, and it's like, it's, you don't really give any credence to the Bengals kind of progressing. And now two weeks later, the Bengals are three and one, but they're 16th in ESPN and the athletics power rankings because no one's really taking them just seriously just yet. So then this, be, then this becomes the most important game because it's just the next game. It's it's going to be like this until they get back into that stage that they faulted for so many times in the, in the early 2010s. And until they get back to that point, every big game that they have is going to be right. their biggest game. But I, I, I agree with the basis of what Malik is saying because everyone is taking the Packers seriously. There's no real faults yeah. with that roster aside from injuries and winning this game would be huge. Huge, and I like you. You hit the you hit, you hit it again, John. I think this team, this Packers team, is a team that's expected to compete for a championship this year, or that's the that's the that's what everything is surrounding them with all the the noise surrounding them. And there is no excuse. Before it was the Vikings game. Oh well, you know, Anthony Barr was out. This person was out. Uh, Mike Zimmer needs to get fired. Okay. Then it was the Bears. We lost to the Bears, and it was like, ah, I told you the Bengals were. Even though we shot ourselves in the foot with play call and things of the nature. Then we go on to beat the Steelers, and it's all oh, the Steelers are the Steelers are bad. They're cooked. Then we beat the Jaguars. Oh no! You beat Trevor Lawrence. You beat Urban Meyer. Come on! What are you going to say now? Yeah. What are you going to say now? And, and stealing from John, what are your ops going to say now? That's what John said in the beginning. What are your ops going to say now? As, as if the Bengals do take down, you know, last year's league MVP in this Green Bay Packers team that's expected to compete for a championship. Listen, excuses fall. The excuses fall short at that point. At this point, you're you're you have to take the Cincinnati Bengals football team serious, and I think that's why this team is going going to go out there with a chip on their shoulder inside the jungle and win. I hope you're right. Uh, I, I understand the sentiment, and I understand the national perspective type of thing making this the biggest game since the 2015 wild card, and I I see a lot of validity to that, and I agree with that. I guess I would go back just just to play contrarian a little bit. I would go back to the early part of the 2016 season and look at games like at the Pittsburgh Steelers in week two that they lost and the home opener that I happened to be at against Denver with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. And those two games, after you inexplicably lose that wild card game, I guess I would say those two games are quietly most important to me in terms of the psyche uh, of this team and where the direction could have gone. But I do understand what you guys are saying in terms of the, 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 na- the national perspective of this team. Now that they've turned the page to a different type of chapter of the franchise. And, and, and just to piggyback off that, I would say, yes, you're right. However, after that 2015 playoff loss, nobody was taking the Bengals serious at, with Marvin Lewis still in charge. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody was going to take this team serious when Marvin Lewis was still in charge because it was still going to be that cloud hanging over your head. All right, they win. It's a big game. They win. Cool, they win. 
But what happens when they get in the playoffs? They continue to lose under Marvin Lewis. Yeah. Now with Zach Taylor being here, and this is his first first time we've been three and one in, in since the Marvin Lewis era. Yeah. It is a big game. It is that, and it feel it feels like a big game. It's the first time we're, we're selling the game. So we're, we're, PBS is sold out this week for this game. I, I just happen to believe that with now that we're turning the page from the Marvin Lewis, the Andy Dalton, the AJ Green era. This is the biggest game, Burrow versus Rodgers. We get to see what this coaching staff is made of. We get to see if Burrow can be that guy to lead the charge. And I think that the headlines will read on Monday. These are, in the words of Brian Baldinger, these are some new cats. So we'll see. I also just want to say, uh, bring up what Rob Duncan said in the comments. Um, yeah. What I like about what I like is that this roster doesn't know what being the Steelers truly means, and I feel like that's probably the biggest difference in just mm -hmm. the overall turnover of both the roster and the coaching staff, like Jamar Chase doesn't care about the Steelers. He all he knows is winning the same thing with Joe Burrow. Mm -hmm. Like that, that's their background. And that's mm -hmm. basically that, that that's what needed to happen going on for Marvin Lewis. And that I think they have achieved that first step. And now it's just about taking the next step. I, I, lo I love that you said that John, because I think sometimes we did fall into the, and a buddy had to point this out to me. We, we did fall into that, the narrative, that emotional side, you know, you, you remember, we, we, we knew if the Bengals lost to the Steelers, we knew we could pencil next weekend as a loss as well, because the psyche, the emotional psyche that the Steelers would do to that loss will take on us would, would just take, take precedent over whatever was going on. And we kind of saw that uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, whenever things go down for them, not trying to bag on the Steelers, although that's always fun to do. They always tend to do things after the whistle to try to get that emotion out of you. And I, I think the biggest thing that I saw was not just the Bengals winning by two scores. I expected the Bengals to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. To me, that win doesn't mean that much. I think the Ravens are that next team that we need to beat to prove that, hey, we we, we belong in the division. Because that this roster was put together, to, this defensive roster was put together to stop teams like the Ravens, to stop teams like the Browns that like to control the clock and run the ball. But... I think the, the biggest thing for me was seeing the Cincinnati Bengals not get into those games with the Pittsburgh Steelers and get upset and get angry after the whistle when they're trying to get that out of you. That shows maturity. That shows that this culture that Zach Taylor has been preaching is finally taking, taking shape. And to your guys' point, if the Bengals win this weekend, there's not a, yeah, but it's the, it's, it's, it's an eh, Vikings team. Yeah. It's a down Steelers team. It's just kind of like, maybe it just turns out, Hey, they're pretty good. The Bengals are pretty good. I mean, they 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 they'd be four and one. They're pretty good. Maybe that's just as simple as the storyline that it that it could become. Maybe that's what it's about. But uh, Malik, you have been saying, uh, hinting a couple of times that you think the Bengals will win this weekend. John and I provided our score predictions on Wednesday's show. John has them winning. I have them barely losing. I know I'm the bad guy. Uh, do you have a score prediction and or anything that uh, you? looking in your crystal ball there uh, in terms of how, you, how you see this one going and what's important what's not i'm pretty bad with score predictions guys but if i had to give one i would say a high scoring game i think the Bengals offense scores the most points that they've scored this season um that 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 packers i mean i've been fortunate enough to watch the packers the last few weeks uh appreciate you jack i <laughs> I, I you know I, I think that this packers defense is, is abysmal cj ozama could have a big game guys too Packers don't like covering tight ends, man. They don't like covering tight ends for whatever reason. I know Packers fans are excited about the Jalen Smith pickup. I, I, it does nothing for me personally. Um, only person on that defense that kind of gives can give you fits is Kenny Clark um, with, with uh, Jair being out. I, I think the Bengals win this one by a score. I think it's a close game. I think it's a mm -hmm. close game through and through, but I – 
it's going to be fun. It's going to be, it's going to be a big one, big one in Cincinnati this week. I, I hope you are right, my friend. And just one last time, I'm going to pull up your website. Tell us a little bit about your com- company, uh, the Right Way Sports Network, what you guys are doing. It's not just Bengals. It's not just football. It is everything you can see here on the front page. you got some hockey stuff going on, and then you've got yes, football sir. articles here, basketball. Tell us a little bit about your company, what uh, what you guys are doing, and how, they, how you guys can be followed, all that good stuff. Yeah, man. You guys can follow us, twsn.net. And we also have a mobile app, TWSN. Just look it up at your respective, uh, you know, telephone, uh, cell phone. So I don't even know, you know what you call it, whether it's on Google Play or if it's on uh, the 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 Apple Store. You can find us. So we cover all sports, no matter what what it is. We 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 cover it for the most part. And um, I like I said, I'm just really grateful to have the team that we have here at TWSN, and we're we're constantly getting better and better, better by the day. And uh, like I said, we, we just got a group of guys, a group of girls who just love sports, love covering it, love talking about all the um, the latest news going on. And we have a show um, on, you can follow the, our YouTube channel as well, a shameless plug here, but uh, TWSN on YouTube, you, we have a show each and almost each and every single day of the week um, from an NFL show, soccer show, UFC show. You can catch me on my show every single Wednesday night, but hey, don't take away from these guys. These guys do a great job, <laughs> great job as well, but um. Appreciate the support from everyone. Who Day Nation, greatly appreciate it. Well, you guys, you guys kill. It seems like on Twitter, I'm like, hey, that's an interesting take, and a lot of good tweets coming from this person. Who are they? Up oh, TWSN, of course. <laughs> TWSN, TWSN. Got to follow. Got to follow. Got to follow. I'm following your uh, all of your your crew there. It's uh, it's good stuff that you you put out. And thanks for your time today, man. Uh, you I, I didn't mean me. to take a lot of it, but this has been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we make it a regular thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. If John or John, if the boss John will have me on, I'll gladly do it. (laughs) John, anything else before we get out of here, my man? This has been a fun one. Nah, man. Malik's legit. I remember the first time um, I interacted with with you. I believe it was like the combine of like 2020 and Malik um, reported something and we wrote about it on Cincy Jungle. And then Malik popped in my DMs to the, hey, man, I, I appreciate the shout out, but uh, my, my company is the right, the, right, the right Way Sports Network. I'm like, oh, okay, I got you. And then yeah. I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll follow this guy. And then ever since then, it's been www. Oh, the guy does not lose. So appreciate shout you, out man. to Malik. Thanks for coming on, man. Almost like Sean McVay, I remember exactly the conversation. The Bengals <laughs> had talked to uh, Troy Dye at the senior at the, at, yep. at the combine. Yep. And they talked to uh, what's the other linebacker's name that was big in that draft? It was Troy Dye, and it was another guy. Um, might have been Kenneth Murray. I'm not exactly sure. It was one. It was like one of those two guys. And then we reported it, and I, I, it was another guy from Jordan Reed, I believe. And then John said of the Draft Network, and I'm like, oh man, this is great, but I'm not in the draft. I'm not right with sports network. <laughs> so I was like, let me reach out to him. No, that's that's crazy that I remember that conversation. But um, no, man, it's been an absolute pleasure. I mean, I've made so many friends through, through, you know, through, through the Bengals community. And I think getting on Twitter was one of the best things that happened to me and met guys like you guys. So it's, it's been really awesome. And I hope to, I hope to have you be back on with you guys sometime soon. Yeah, we, you know, we, I, we talked about it a little bit before we took the air and actually I was like, oh, I'm going to go this, this week we're going to get on. And then you, you went on with Matt Minnick. And so I'm like, oh, well, okay. We got to, <laughs> we got to push it out a little. We got to space it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, we'll make it a regular thing, man. This is, Absolutely. this has been a ton of fun and keep, keep doing what you're doing. You guys kill it. You are one of my favorite follows for sure on Appreciate Twitter, not, not just because of Bengal stuff, but just in general. And uh, hopefully we get to meet at a game 
sometimes. Absolutely, too. absolutely. Me and John still got to go out and get, get and get drinks, man. We keep talking about it, but definitely, and we gotta. Whenever you're in Cincinnati, I'll try to make my way there as well, so that way we all can meet up for a good time. Let's do it. Well, thanks for the time, John. Thanks, thanks for your time as well. Have a good weekend, dude. Yeah, have a good, have a good weekend, guys. All absolutely. right, who day? Let's go. That's right. Let's beat the pack. Who day?